Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Barnes University Radio. Guys, we are at the end of draft season for the 2021 draft cycle. Um, you know, now some guys are going to be starting their 2022 prelims. As for me, I'm going to be trying to get some money <laughs> uh, so that next draft season can be even more special for you guys. I have a few things in store and I will be sharing those things with you periodically. But first things first, I have to acquire the capital. So uh, that's where I'll be. I will be talking. I'm not going to waste all of this 2021 knowledge. Um, you know, I think this is probably my, my most prepared draft um, that I've done. I mean, I mean, I knew a lot of players and I always try to test myself throughout this process. Like when I watched the draft, did I know that guy? I knew I knew 99 percent of the guys being drafted and then. I know 100% of the guys that most people talk about. So it's it's a blessing that I was able to kind of dive into it this year. I think the biggest change that I made was just consistency. I put I put together a plan to where I kind of know how I work, so I put it in stints to where I could really gain enough knowledge within a 4 4 month window and I was able to do that. So with a minute and 30 seconds in, I want to let you guys know what we're going over today. We're going over the Tennessee Titans uh, draft class. And, of course, you guys know I do my own draft. We're going to briefly go over that. Um, we're going to talk about s leadership as well. I know that's something that, you know, people click on a, um, a podcast talking about the Titans. They're expected to just to be talking about the Titans. But if you know me, you know that I'm, a, I'm more, I'm more well-rounded. I'm, I'm a bit different. Um, I'm just going to include leadership because I think that, you know, when I talk about the draft class, it's going to be the perfect segue to talking about leadership. And when you make decisions, you know, those that haven't been in leadership positions might not know, you know, how you know difficult it is to be a leader. And I think that people have to update their perspective on certain things. Um, and then we're going to talk about a question that I was asked um, and we'll finish the podcast with a question that I was asked by somebody, someone very special, uh, about, you know, these Twitter um, updates or Twitter awards that go out for the most um, consistent or the best Titans accounts out there, right? And they asked me how I felt about the lists and some of the lists that excluded me. And I'll let you guys, I'll fill you guys in on that as we close the podcast we're going to try to keep it, you know, digestible as possible. You know, the 10 minute range, the 12 minute range at the most 15. But let's start it off, man, with the Tennessee Titans 2021 draft class. Um, first round, they took Caleb Farley, cornerback out of Virginia Tech, 6'2", 200 pounder, um, an extreme athlete. He was my cornerback three, um, top three cornerback talent. He wins vertically. I mean, it's very hard to to complete a pass on Caleb Farley going vertical um, when he's in, in in his zone responsibilities. This guy closes as fast as anyone in the game when healthy. Why is this pick talking being talked about a lot is because of the injury, um, several injuries. I mean, you can go back to 2017 when he tore up his knee 
And then you can go as recent as the last two years when he's had, you know, surgeries on his lumbar region. So with that being said, in football, any injury can be, you know, derailing, but especially injuries that involve your core, your back, obviously your wheels, your knees, your ankles and stuff like that. So with that being said, that's why this pick has so much criticism towards it. Um, and praise because you get a top three cornerback in this draft when usually those type of players get taken within the first 10 to 12 picks. So that's where the steal comes through. If he's 100% healthy, the Tennessee Titans got a, got a significant puzzle to their 2021 season or piece of the puzzle. Um, second round, they went with Dylan Radins. He's a do-it-all. I mean, the best way to explain it, his skill set, he's a he's a swing offensive lineman. Um, that wasn't talked about much when he was drafted. But for those that know Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State, 6'4", 300-ish, 305. He's trying to get to 310 where he needs to be. He does need to bulk up a little bit. This guy can kick inside to guard to center. Um, extremely physical and, and aggressive. He has the movement skills to operate at the second level, cut off guys, um, you know, and extend plays um, um, because of his blocking downfield. I think that this pick, I mean, it's a value pick. Um, he was my offensive tackle nine. Um, I think as an interior player, he gets boosted up a little bit, maybe in my top six. But, you know, I mean, the Titans needed a guy like that. Um, in my 2021 game plan, I mentioned a guy like Matt Filer. Uh, uh, that, that, you know, play for the Steelers who the Titans could have signed that provides the exact same talent. So the Tennessee Titans were in lockstep there. Um, they signed guys like Kendall Lamb to kind of take over that right tackle spot. Um, I think Lamb is going to beat out Raidens. And I think that Raidens is going to be a guy that can be kicked inside even to center, you know, when, you know, as Ben Jones ages or, you know, he has to sit out a game or two. So, I think that's a value pick there. Somewhat rich when you tie in, you know, the school, the level of competition that needs to go on. But it's a healthy pick. Let's put it like that. Third round, Monty, Monty Rice, um, Georgia linebacker, six foot two thirty. He's great moving in one direction, like Caleb Farley. When they're moving, you know, when they've made their mind up, they're one of the most impressive athletes in the draft, and you have to give them that. But in terms of you know, moving laterally, sifting through trash, dealing with big offensive linemen in the run game. You know, I'm not so sure that Mondi Rice is that guy, but the Tennessee Titans liked him enough to take him in the third round. I think it's a bit rich. Like when you look at he was my linebacker 14. So that means in that third round range, it is justifiable. But in terms of need. What's going to take this team to the next level? I just feel like you could have went in a different direction, whether it be wide receiver, whether it be tight end, whether it be, heck, at that point, I wouldn't have mind if you double dipped on cornerback or got a good safety or like some type of depth other than uh, undersized linebacker, which I know that they like. That's kind of their prototype for their inside linebackers now. But everybody can't be Jayon Brown, and I think that has to be understood. Um, and then they took Rashad Weaver, Des Fitzpatrick, Racy McMath, and Brady Breeze with the final, you know, few selections. Um, and I think 
the main thing with the Rashad Weaver selection is, you know, 6'4", 257, you know, out of Pittsburgh, defensive end, definitely a 4'3", defensive end, three-point stance type of rusher as opposed to, you know, an outside linebacker. And I wonder how much Jim Schwartz, and I said this during the, you know, during the draft cycle was, you know, how much influence did he have? I'm pretty sure he did because this is a free throw, a 4-3, excuse me, a 4-3 defensive end. Like this guy is not going to stand up and actually have any type of effect. He's not going to cover anybody. This is, you know, relatively a 4-3 in you kick outside maybe an interior rusher on your third down package. So even though I like the pick, he was my number four defensive end, uh, a top 10 edge rusher overall. Obviously great value there in the fourth round. But at the same time, he's one dimensional. I think that his floor is, you know, his, his he has a high floor. And a low ceiling. So that means that he is what he is. I don't know how much better Rashard Weaver is going to get, you know, in his career. So with that being said, you like the talent based off of value and how you how you had him ranked. But the realistic um, the realistic projection is, you know, he can come in, provide reps as a, a rotational pass rusher. And that's it as a player. You know, he's not going to drop back in coverage. He's not going to be that traditional 3-4 outside linebacker. He's going to be in your even fronts and be able to, you know, generate pressure, hopefully. He has length. He, he has a, a diverse pass rush plan and good, good arm movement for a young player. It's a solid pick, you know. And, you know, obviously the off-field things, not knowing about what happened, what could have happened. Tennessee Titans, you know. This is one that just comes down to if you get the evaluation right, then sometimes these type of things don't occur. Um, Dez Fitzpatrick, who I think, yes, I think Dez was actually taken before Rashad Weaver. So even if you get that evaluation right, you might go in a different direction with Rashad Weaver. But anyway, Dez Fitzpatrick is a guy that if you look at him, if he fully matures out, he can be similar to a Travis Fulgham. I've said that ad, ad nauseum throughout the process. Um, he was my comp for him earlier, way when I saw him at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, he's a, he's about 10 pounds lighter than Fulgham is right now. Um, but they have similar games, right? They win with very precise route running. Um, they vary their speeds very well. They, they pluck the ball with their hands. They have some concentration lapses, but for the most part, very dependable players. They get open and catch the ball, right? That's what the Tennessee Titans talk about with their receivers. They keep it simple. And sometimes keeping it simple, you pan out with a guy like A.J. Brown. And then other times, not so much, you know, you, you, you draft, you know, Taze Sharps, who, which, you know, not dynamic and where they took him. I think he was a fifth or sixth round pick years ago. Where you picked him, he probably he played he overplayed his draft selection usually. But at the same time, you want to get guys that you know offer dynamism, you know, are dynamic to some degree. Des Fitzpatrick isn't that, but over time, at his maxed out potential, he could be a very significant contributor for the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans essentially 
traded their pick 126 a 166 and then I think their very last pick in the seventh round and I'm not going to say they got fleeced but I mean that was three draft selections for Des Fitzpatrick and I think that kind of shows how much they think of him you know you know it's it's a significant amount of draft capital and I know a lot of people are like their day three pitch what are their chances of making the roster anyway they got their guy hey that's why we're going to be talking about leadership today Hey, it's 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 what they did. It is what it is. Um, but at the end of the day, it was too rich to me. There were guys like Cornell Powell, Kate Johnson, Semi Fajoko, Jalen Darden, like uh, Jonathan Adams Jr. There was so many wide receivers that were going to be available. And for you to just give up three to take Dez, you must have loved him. And that's all you know, that's good for you. But goodness gracious. And then talked about Rashad Weaver, Brady Breeze, and Racing McMath. I'm not going to go into depth like so many people are because I honestly think these players are not going to make the roster. There might be going to be practice squad guys, and I'm almost assured that a lot of these back-end draft picks are going to be retained. They're not going to let these guys, you know, go. They're not going to face that, excuse me, they're not going to face that type of embarrassment. These guys will be on the team, but on the practice squad. They're special teamers. You know, they don't have the skill set to start um, um, and actually make a significant impact. So they're going to be special teamers if they do play. Let's say they do play. They, they We get, you know, some injury bugs. Have to move some people up from the practice squad. They're going to be special teamers. And, you know, for McMad's case, a slightly above average for a six-round pick special teamer. Um, he ran a 4-3. He's 6-3, 2, was it 2-10? Um, very impressive, you know, frame. Just can't run routes. Just can't consistently catch the ball. You know, Brady Breeze, you know, doesn't have the size or the bulk, um, but certainly can play as a free safety. Um, you know, I think he has the quicks for us in being a split safety. And in zone responsibilities, um, you know, he's not the best tackler, but he can come up and hit. So it's like, you know, these guys are are not that inspiring. But, you know, this is this is what is the Tennessee Titans. Um, and then I always, you know, I don't purposely forget about Elijah Molden, but it's it's really surreal to me. If you followed me throughout the process, you know, of this draft season, you know how how much I liked Elijah Molden. As a player, and it's it's still surreal that he's a Tennessee Titan because I've talked him up so much. Um, this guy can play all defensive back positions, and I feel fine with him playing all defensive back positions. That's free, that's strong, that's boundary corner, and that's you know in the slot. But a realistic standpoint, you know, from a realistic standpoint, and how to maximize his skill set, which is close quarter quick short area quickness his ability to wrap up and tackle with even at his frame um 510 ish right 190 at the most um this guy isn't big um you know arms aren't that long wingspan is solid but not long Mm -hmm. arms um you know this is a guy that's going to come in and be able to be 
somewhere on that secondary, whether the, you have those three safety looks, I think that's where he gets in early. Those three safety looks where you can trust him to handle his third or handle his, you know, robber role. Um, you know, in the slot, he's going to have competition with Christian Fulton and other guys who kick inside, maybe uh, Jackrabbit Jenkins. Um, in the inside, he's you don't have to worry about him finding the ball, blitzing off the edge. It's going to be, you know, him covering guys with size at the next level. And uh, that's just being a realistic, you know, situation for him. Um, and overall, it's a draft class. You're going to find two or three starters. And that's all that you can ask for. But at the end of the day, you always want to max out your situation, max out a, a, a talent acquisition process. And I think the Tennessee Titans did okay. Um, I have an article out, blog.thebarnesuniversity.com, just going over the grade. Um, check that out. Um, and um, it'll be on my page on Twitter, at BU underscore scouting. But going into leadership and going into this final thing, I know we said we was going to try to keep it around 10 to 15. Well, we're going to be about five minutes over. But just leadership, right? Um, um, talking about leadership, the Tennessee Titans have a leader in leaders, and it starts with ownership. It starts with management, and then it's coaching. It's Amy, Miss Amy Adams Strunk. Um, that's the owner. And then the uh, general manager is John Robinson, the coach, the head coach, is Mike Vrabel, right? These decisions, and I see a lot of people criticizing the Tennessee Titans for some of their selections. And yes, at some point, you do have to figure out what you are doing wrong from a operation standpoint. What type of people are we really bringing in? Why are we being bamboozled? What aren't we seeing, right? And are we being thorough enough throughout the whole selection process, right? Not taking anything for granted. Are we doing that to the best of our abilities? Yes, that is something that you have to go over. And I think there's no other person better in the Twitter sphere or on this earth than myself to be a part of that franchise to sure some things up. And I know that, you know, people were expecting this, those that want to Throughout those type of comparisons or that type of narrative about me, but I put in way too many hours, man. I'm an expert. You know, I'm not holding back anymore. I put in way too many hours. I'm talking about if you ever read the book Outliers, 10,000 hours makes you an expert. I'm well over that. So I think it's time that, you know, people understand that. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, it's a situation where. You know, leadership, you make decisions, people are going to criticize you. But at the end of the day, I want people to kind of understand that this is difficult. Team building is difficult. You know, you can't control every variable. You can only do your best. And I think that the people who aren't in, in or have never been in leadership positions, it's kind of cringy when they when they are so critical about leadership you know, operation and situations like I've been in, in leadership positions my whole life, whether it be within my family, whether it be in my classes, whether it be, you know, uh, FCA president, whether it be, you know, in college and, and in certain groups being the leader, then it's being the leader of my family. Then it's being the leader in my in, in the company structures and on the teams that I, I'm on within my company. I've been in leadership positions. 
And I'm definitely trying to get better. That is something that I'm definitely self-developing myself to get better at. Um, But, you know, that's just what it is. And that's all I really have to say in terms of leadership. Just if you have never been in that position, just have some self-awareness about yourself of, you know, maybe this is difficult. (laughs) You know, um, even when I'm critical, even when I'm going through the draft picks, you know, you do your job to the best of your ability. You can do it in a different way. Yes, we can talk about different ways to get something done. But let's not talk about like competency too much when it comes to leadership, because everybody that's in a certain spot within the NFL, they deserved it somehow, whether it be the connection, whether it be the work ethics, whether it be them just showing up. There's a level of, you know, substance to why they're at where they're at. So let's keep that in mind. Now to close real quick. This is going to be double what I said initially, but that's that's the love of football. Um, that's the love of, of, of talking to you guys or with you guys or sharing this type of knowledge. But like I said, how I was going to end it. Several people um, talked about um, who is the best on Twitter or who's the best followers on Twitter, who is the best at their job in terms of Tennessee Titans. Was I included? No. Someone brought it to my attention. You are not included on the list as a fan or as a journalist. Well, guess what? I'm not either. Really, you know. As a journalist, I do what I can here and there. Um, So consistency, I can understand that. I personally don't um, put a strong value on just putting out content because I have a quota to meet or just to cause, you know, uh, conversation. And I guess that's a good thing about my content. If I put something out, it's going to be something of substance, something that is strong. And that's nothing against anybody who puts out anything because that consistency is what a lot of people want to see. That's literally marketing. That's literally brand building. I understand that. But I, I personally don't have that much to say about, you know, someone's getting their number changed or their football number changed. Or I personally don't have much to say about, you know, what someone's old coach said about, a current player in the NFL because guess what? That ninety percent of old coaches are are gonna hype up their guy, and you can get bad data from that, and sometimes you can get good nuggets. I personally don't care about it or value it as much as others, and that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. And as a fan, I probably moved past supreme fandom a long time ago. Um, I'm more of a enthusiast. I definitely am a supporter. But as far as a fan, I've probably moved past that. I look at it at a, in a, in, in, for the most part from a very unemotional standpoint as a fan. Um, but, you know, as a guy trying to get into the industry, that's where the new passion is that needs to be reined in um, happens. But as for me, it's like as long as the conversation doesn't go to the best like draft or evaluators pertaining to the titans and then i'm left off then i can enter the discussion then i can enter the chat you know what i mean i can enter that chat you know whoa whoa, whoa, wait a second you know then i can start you know saying something's a bit off here because when we start talking about if a question was asked uh, you know who on titans twitter if they went to the titans could help the most if if the answer's not me then yeah i will i will have to pop my head up because a lot of times of these guys that's in these top five lists, top 10 lists, 
they agreed with the with a lot of you know the problems that's on this team. You know, there's guys that love the Isaiah Wilson pick who were like giving themselves the crown of Titans Twitter because they predicted that Titans were going to select Isaiah Wilson. There were guys that supported, you know, you know, these picks and Kevin Dodd and Taewon Taylor and, you know, and the list goes on. Right. And there there were guys that love these picks, were very supportive. Then there's me who knew what was going to happen. So for that standpoint, if the discussion was this person would make the Tennessee Titans better, how they would write better reports or they would they would, you know, help Jim Wyatt with articles or something. You know, I think that's what we really have to look at. And so that's kind of what that was my answer. You know, how do you feel about not being included on this list? I'm like, that's fine, man. Give them give. These guys, they're flowers, but at the same time, let's be realistic when it comes to who could help a franchise day one and who actually does this. I just told you guys earlier in the podcast, I knew 99.9% of the players that were taken and that are available. So, I mean, everybody else will be playing catch up at that point. So, you know, in a a draft class that already passed. (laughs) So I I can start day one. And, um, you know, this draft class is going to be in the league for at least four years, three or four years based on averages. I'm going to know these guys. And then the next year, Lord willing, I'm going to know those guys. So I I just don't think it compares. And that's kind of how I answered that. Let's be realistic, man. I don't care if I have one follower or a million followers. You know, I do this. And uh, that's kind of how I I just look at it. And it's not even being arrogant. I put an insane amount of hours. That a man that has as large of a family that I have probably shouldn't. So they sacrifice a lot. I sacrifice a lot. And nobody's going to take that away from me. Nobody. I put in too much work. So with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in. I did not get to talk about my drive class. That will be coming up next. My drive class. You guys know I go live every year um, for the last four years at least. And uh, I've always have a level of accountability to what I do in the past years of who I would have selected and that trust has been built up. So guys, thanks for tuning in and I will see you on the next one.